I'm your host, Jen Wingerter, and my guest today is Joe Coelho, professor of biology at QU. Joe was raised on a working farm and cattle ranch in Northern California. He obtained his Bachelor's of Science in Biology from the University of California at Riverside and a PhD in Environmental Population and Organismic Biology from the University of Colorado. He came to Quincy University in 2004. His primary research focuses on physiological ecology of insects, especially solitary wasps, and also includes studies in cultural entomology, such as insects and music. He teaches all of the field courses, including ecology, environmental science, entomology, plant field biology, and vertebrate field biology. In this episode, Joe will share with us what is happening in and out of the classroom and his latest research. Thank you, Joe, for joining us today. You're welcome. It's great to be here. So you have several class projects that intrigue me, and one of them is this tapping for silver maple and sugar maple trees. How did that get started? Uh, it started with a, a friend of mine who had a, a huge silver maple in his backyard, and he told me how he would tap it and, and get some maple syrup out of it. And uh, I, I knew that we had a large number of silver maples on North Campus, and I thought, well, heck, we can do that too. And then I had two students who are really into the idea, and they went to a seminar on how to do it, and, and from there it just caught fire. So what's involved in this process? Uh, the first thing we do is tap trees, right? We drill a hole in them and put in a, a spile, which is just a, a metal kind of spigot uh, with a hook so you can hang a bucket from it. And we do that usually in late January, early February when the temperatures are above freezing during the day and below freezing at night because the trees are then mobilizing their uh, sugars from their roots up to the shoots so they can start growing their buds for the spring. Okay. So that's when we get the, the sweet is this part of a class? Do you pull students from different classes? How do you generate the interest there? Uh, it varies. It works best when it's a combination of both. So often uh, in the spring, I teach, in the spring of every other year, I teach uh, environmental science too. Okay. And we'll usually spend a lot of our lab time working on the maple syrup. But uh, when the days come to, to boil it down and, and make the actual syrup from the sap, that's really an all-day event because okay. you have to build a fire and you have to keep it going all day and boil the heck out of the stuff. So then I'll get other students like the environmental club involved, okay. and we'll just kind of make a day out of it and uh, get it all done then. That's cool. So what do you do with the sap? Oh, that you know, the syrup is not hard to sell. I mean, um, <laughs> real maple syrup is... It's not that hard to get, but it's always quite expensive, yeah. and we usually just sell it to faculty. We don't have to market it, you know. Uh, faculty and students, they, they all want it, so it goes quick. Can you tell a distinctive taste be between what you guys are getting this way and maybe what you get at the store? Well, uh, you know, I never buy it in the store. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because I but, have it. But, but uh, actually, silver maple sap is tastes a little different it's not like the best right if okay. we had we have one sugar maple tree and yeah. that helps our our taste a little um but probably sugar maple uh syrup tastes a, a little better sure uh, but this you know our stuff is unique and it's good it's still sweet yeah you know so you've been involved with a stream team for nearly 20 years and for our listeners who don't know can you tell us a little bit more about the stream team and 
Uh, Stream Team is uh, an effort by uh, the state of Missouri to monitor its streams for their health and water quality. Uh, It's a volunteer program, and they have... They must have upwards of 5,000 different teams throughout the state. Uh, and they, they train you to go out and, uh, and do the work of, of monitoring streams. And they provide uh, all the equipment you need. And uh, when you do it, they reward you with T-shirts and stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> Why did you feel it was important to bring this program to QU? Because it's real, right? A lot of the labs that we do in science... You know, like the old-fashioned way is you have a lab book, you know, written by somebody else, and you do the steps, and you get the result that you expected, unless you screwed it up. Uh, And, oh, you know, it all wraps up as a nice little story. Well, I find that kind of stuff really boring, right? So I don't really do any of my classes that way. Uh, This is what we call an open-ended lab. We don't know what we're going to get when we go out there. So we go out, we, we collect the bugs, we do the chemical tests, and there's no right answer. The right answer is, is whatever we got. And, and the second part of that is the data really matter because it's not just something that you're going to write up and get a grade about. This, uh, these data actually, uh, I upload them to the website. They go to you know the state agencies. And because I'm a level three volunteer, those data are considered uh, of high quality, so they go into state reports that go onward to the to the feds, to the EPA and stuff. So, you know, it's it's a different kind of lab for students yeah. to do. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot more value that way. Yeah. And plus, they love it. We go to a beautiful site on the Wyaconda oh. River with with uh, beautiful bluffs and their their geodes emb- embedded in the. Mm in the bluffs and their geodes on the gravel bar where we do the work. And, uh, you know, if we get a nice weather day, it's just a wonderful time and, and they never forget it. So, um, what types of activities So you talked about, um, collecting bugs and you're checking the water. What other types of activities do you guys do? Um, if any, and then, um, how often? We do it every fall in association with the ecology class. Now, whether I can get it done in the spring is trickier because you have a very narrow window between when the streams uh, thaw and the spring rains come. Uh, if you don't catch that window, then you're not going to be able to get into the stream. Uh, the, the most fun thing that we do is the uh, macroinvertebrate monitoring. So what we do is we take a, a net on poles that's maybe, you know, one yard by one yard, and we jam that down into the rocks in the stream. Uh, Two students hold it, and one student dances around in the rocks upstream (laughs) of it, and that loosens up all the bugs. They get washed into the net. We pick it up, take it to the shoreline, and then we'll have a team of students uh, pick all the bugs off of it, and we identify them and count them. And you see all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, We have this time we had some really huge helgramites, which are multi-legged creatures with enormous jaws, and they they look really scary. Uh, so that gets everybody's attention. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those those uh, invertebrates tell you a lot about the health of the stream, mm. right? Because if you catch a lot of different types of of bugs that cannot tolerate pollution, well, then you can conclude that the water's not polluted, 
right? Right. And, and that's the basic theory behind how Stream Team works. So is there any activity or project you guys would like to do in the future that along that line that um, you haven't tried? Well, you can do a lot of things with stream teams. You can do uh, tree plantings. You can do litter pickups. And we've never had a situation where doing something like that would be appropriate. But uh, we, uh, you can also do fun things like uh, float trips. Mm. And, you know, not many people know it, but... Uh, QU actually owns a small fleet of canoes. Oh. So we have the stuff to do it. It's just organizing something like that is is really pretty difficult. Uh, The logistics, you know, plus, you know, just picking a day when everybody can come is is really hard. But, uh, you know, someday. Yeah. It's my dream. Yeah. That sounds like a fun. Yeah. (laughs) it's, It's a lovely place to float. Yeah. Let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we will talk with Professor Joe Coelho about his recent research. Have you dreamed of completing a bachelor's degree but have to work full-time? Quincy University's St. Clair Professional Studies Program provides a flexible schedule for adults wanting to complete a degree. The Professional Studies Program conveniently offers classes online and in the evening so you can work full-time while pursuing your degree. Take the next step in your educational journey. Visit quincy.edu today. Welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest, and we're talking with Professor Joe Coelho about his recent research. So, Professor, you recently authored a paper entitled Sex, Bugs, and Rock and Roll, Insects and Music Videos. Can you tell me why you chose this research topic? Because uh, I knew it would be a lot of fun, <laughs> yeah. mostly. Uh, that's the the cultural entomology arm of my research. Uh, and that's really something I came to kind of later. Uh, my first paper in this vein was uh, Insects in Rock and Roll Music, which I published in 2000. So mm, it's been wow. 20 years. Uh, and, and when I first started doing that kind of stuff, I had colleagues that, that were like, you can't do that. that that's not science, you know. Mm. It doesn't count. But uh, actually, if you look at, you know, my citations and, and so forth, uh, I'm a lot better known for that than I am for any of the physiological ecology of solitary wasps uh, that I've done. So it's, uh, you know, you never know uh, how yeah. things are going to turn out. So I've done a number of papers in this vein. Uh, I did um, insects and folk music with uh, one of our students, Krista Menard, a few years ago. Uh, and, and this one's been kind of in the back of my mind for a while, and I was sort of slowly collecting data as I ran across uh, examples. And then uh, last year, I was asked to uh, edit a, a special volume of the journal Insects, and they were going to let me choose the topic. So I said, okay, let's make the topic cultural entomology. Uh, and as part of that, I get to publish a paper in the volume for free. Uh, still gets uh, reviewed by other people. Uh, but uh, so I, I chose to do this. And, and once I started that in earnest, then then I, I got on the data collection, got it written. So what did you learn in this research? Uh, first, I'd like to mention that uh, I had students involved in, in this as well. In uh, last, in fall of 2020, the entomology class spent one lab uh, 
late in the semester when it's really cold and there are no bugs out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, in, in the computer lab, and they all uh, watched uh, music videos mm. uh, to, to see if there are any insects in them. So uh, what did I learn? So uh, what, I, what we did was we uh, did, we searched YouTube for songs that we knew were about insects or uh, or search terms that are insect-related, like butterfly and you know cockroach and things like that, and, and tried to look for music videos that, that had uh, insects in them. When we found one, we wrote it down, and then I examined it for other, uh, other content, like uh, what kinds of insects, you know, not necessarily what species, but maybe what orders of mm-hmm. insects were in it. And then, you know, uh, other themes like were there giant insects, were there, were there human-insect hybrids, which we saw a lot, <laughs> uh, swarms, you know, different themes that, that might be present. Wrote it all down and, and then analyzed it. Okay, so now you want to see what we found? Sure. I brought a copy here so it would be, uh, you know, so I wouldn't be working from memory. You know, I'm a scientist, so we like graphs. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> my, my first graph, figure one. Uh, the distribution of arthropod taxa observed in music videos. And all that means is, you know, how many were butterflies and moths, mm-hmm. how many were bees, wasps, and ants, and so forth. So I've told them in order. So the, the most abundant kind of insect that you see in a music video is a butterfly and maybe a moth and maybe a few caterpillars, but not too darn many. Uh, and next in line would be ants, bees, and wasps, mostly bees, uh, especially bumblebees, very mm. popular. Uh, and next comes um, four groups that were all about equally represented, uh, beetles, spiders and their kin, flies, and uh, grasshoppers and crickets, which mm. come together. Okay. Yeah. So that was the, the taxonomy result, and we can break that down if you want. Sure, sure. So what did... what? Is that tell you? Like, is it, how did they um, respond to these different, or how did they use these different insects? Well, uh, that's always the first thing I look for is, is what taxa are represented. And uh, this is kind of represent, um, representative of uh, a principle that I found in one of my previous papers, Insects in Rock and Roll Cover Art. <laughs> okay. I looked at album covers. So when you have a visual medium, yeah. The kinds of things that you see are different. So, and, and in that study also, butterflies and moths were oh, number one, wow. right? Because what sells an album? Really pretty butterfly splashed over the whole cover. So this was the same way. People love butterflies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even moths, they have, they, you know, conjure very positive feelings. Yeah. You know, they have that aesthetic value, right? They're pretty. Everybody loves them. So, you know, that tells us that... Um, people are using insects in videos to enhance, right? To Mm -hmm. make things, to appeal, to make things pretty in this visual medium. Uh, And even even bumblebees, right, and honeybees are are very charismatic. They have a great reputation, except for stinging. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so you see a a lot of those represented. so, so that tells me, you know, overall, and there are lots of other ones in there, like spiders and cockroaches people don't like, but overall, um, people are mostly using insects uh, in a positive manner. Mm, okay. Is there anything that surprised you in the research? 
Oh, gosh. Uh, some of the species that I saw really did surprise me. There were some uh, obscure things like uh, whip scorpions, which most people don't even know about. I do not. <laughs> uh, vinegaroons, which are, are related. Uh, that's pretty bizarre. Uh, there was a, a lot of weird stuff out there that I did not know about. Uh, one of the great things about doing this kind of study is that you discover music that you had no sure. awareness of. Sure. So uh, some of the, the groups that I found were made really good music, and, and uh, now I enjoy that stuff. Um, I, I'm going to put in a plug here for Australia's psychedelic porn crumpets. Okay. <laughs> who, who make really good rock music, and, and their videos are awesome. Uh, but there are others that you discover like, oh, my God, that's horrible, and I never <laughs> want to see it again. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure so, there's some. You know, you get a little bit of both, but uh, there's a lot of really interesting discovery uh, that you get just by, just by watching all these things. Uh, so that was kind of surprising. So how has people's relationships with insects changed over the course of your career? You've been studying this, like, especially this particular topic. You since 2000 when you first time uh -huh. first published that paper but you have studied insects your whole career how have people's relationships changed well that's really one of the sort of tentative conclusions of this study uh, the reason that i well one of the reasons that uh, i examined uh, music videos is that it's a comparatively recent phenomenon mm. well first of all if we look at the history music videos actually go back to the dawn of video. It's sure. actually not a new thing to put music to, you know, a, a video thing. But with the advent of MTV, it just took off, right? Sure. It became a bigger thing. And I have my my time graph yeah. here, uh, which shows how a decade by decade since the 70s, the, the number of videos with insects has increased dramatically. And, and that just mirrors the number of videos total. Sure which has increased dramatically. So uh, it's a relatively recent medium, mm. right? So we can take that and compare it to the days of old. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, insect fear movies like from the 1950s, right? Right. You have you have uh, movies like Them, uh -huh. right? Which is Attack of the Giant Ants, and there's, you know, The Giant Mantis, and so on and so forth. There's all these sort of B-level movies. Oh, there's the Killer Bees. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of really bad movies. And and they're dated, right? They go back uh, to, to earlier decades. It, it used to be interpreted that this was, oh, this is a Cold War imagery, right? People are fearing the atomic age and mutant giant ants and stuff like that. But subsequent authors have said, no, it's just, you know, people are afraid of giant bugs, right? Yeah. It's, it's the bugs themselves <laughs> that people are afraid of, and that's why these movies were made. So if we compare, you know, the music video genre to that era, it seems like we have come a long way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's maybe people are seeing insects in a, in a different light, and, and that provides a, a little hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hope to us. So um, are you researching anything else currently? Well, uh, you know, there's there's no end to this stuff. I actually uh, I have an agreement with uh, one of our music faculty, Dr. Oh. Christine Dom. Yeah. We're going to do uh, insects in classical music. Oh wow! And we're we're just like in early discussion phases. I probably don't have a sample size more than ten yet. Right. 
but uh, I brought in a collaborator on this one because that is not a genre I am familiar with, right? <laughs> Very different than rock and roll. I'm comfortable <laughs> with rock music. I'm comfortable with pop music. But, uh, you know, for, for that, you know, it's kind of out of my league. So I thought I'd bring in a real musician this time <laughs> yeah. uh, to help me out. And she just, she's pretty excited about it. We haven't, haven't had that much time to work on it since the semester really got in gear. But, uh, you know, this kind of work goes in fits and starts. Sure, right? When sure. you have time, then you work on it, work on it, work on it. And then when you're giving midterms, grading papers, you don't work on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's that balance of yep, your yep. Uh, your day job and your research. But. Yep. Uh, and I still have some ideas about playing with some wasps. You know, I, I kind of like, I don't want to, to die having any datum unpublished. Right? Sure, sure. So I do have preliminary data for a couple of other solitary wasps. And all I need to do is, is kind of get a little more to finish those out yeah. and, and write them up and hopefully get them published. I get too tired to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you have a lot of energy from my perspective, so <laughs> you do a lot of stuff. It comes and goes <laughs> these days. <laughs> well, my thanks to Professor Joe Coelho for being our guest today. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode of From the Hawk's Nest. I'm Jen Wingerter, and it's always a great day to be a hawk. <laughs>